And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We are live from the bunker. And it is uh, a celebration stream. We are we are solid, I think. <laughs> we'll see how long it lasts. Twenty five hundred subscribers on YouTube, and we're we are so close, so close to two hundred over on Rumble. Welcome everybody. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Going a little casual today, because I'm tired. I am tired. It is uh, it is a thing. Uh, yes, everybody say hi, Todd. Todd's here in studio. Give a shout-out to everybody who is with us live in the chat. I see Dave's here, Death Angel Shadow's here, Sci-Fi Snob's here, Mindy's there in the chat, Jay's here, Weatherman... Cam, <coughs> good to have all of you with us. Uh, Jay's asking, what's the over-under on when the YouTube Minox will start chewing on the streaming cables? Um, that's a good question. We'll see. We'll find out. By the way, um, those of you who are with us live, if you could give me some feedback on the mix between voice and, and music here because I'm, I'm doing something a little bit different today. And, of course, we've had some issues with the, uh, with the cables in the back, in the back of the tower over there. If you're not with us live, you can still... Uh, participate in the conversation. You can leave a comment. Anybody can send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. And of course, there is the socials and the Discord. Death Angel Shadows already put the link in, in the chat for that. And it says, I swear, I just saw you a few hours ago. Yes, 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 you did. Uh, because I, I was. Uh, okay, so. Culture Casino normally does a show on Sunday night, Karate with Infinite Patience, and he didn't do one last night because he went to go see Dune Part 2. And so Tom over at Midnight's Edge put together a stream for those of us who have seen the movie, and we did reaction and discussion, and it kind of devolved into uh, a, a little bit a little bit too much focus on Zendaya, I will admit. But uh, I think <coughs> I think for the most part that's it's kind of justified because everybody was making a big deal out of Zendaya. I don't think she's that big a deal, honestly, but that's just me. Matt Twain showing up in the chat. Um sounded fine. Uh Snob says mix seems good to me. Okay, Mindy says without me, you were already asleep, pumpkin. So, you know, uh, Snob says, is Count Fenrig in the movie? Um, Fenring, um, spoilers, sweetie. 
there's a lot in the movie. There's a lot that didn't make it into the movie. I'll say that. <coughs> Michael's here as well. Get it, 25th Century, 2,500 viewers. Good. Uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. We, we need to, we need to, uh, we need to have Buck Rogers in the 25th Century as our theme song for today. Death Angel Show, this is what I got from that show was that Gina Carano would have been the best actress in Dune 2. That's not, that's not exactly what was said. Um, see, cause here, here it is. Okay. So what touched off all of that? Just briefly, cause I don't want to rehash it. You guys can go over and, and watch it again. But, um, what, what touched that off is when, when Tom said that he had a hard time with, uh, you know, believing that Zendaya was the type who could throw 200 pound men around. And I agree with him. And it got me thinking stunts, you know, because of the stunts and the physicality and the fight choreography and that kind of thing. I was like, well, who could do it? Well, 10 years ago, you have MMA fighter Gina Carano, who probably could have done it, especially could have handled the fight choreography and the stunts. Acting wise, you know, your mileage may vary. Is she a good actor or not? Who knows? You know, that's that's a matter of opinion. That's that's very subjective. But objectively, people can sit there and say she can't handle the stunt work. And that was the only thing that I was saying. I was like, no, 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 no. I wasn't saying that Gina Carano is a better actress than Zendaya. I I don't, honestly, I don't think that Zendaya is all that great of an actress, really. So, I mean, come on. All right, let us uh, go through a few things. Yes, 2,500 subscribers, and I've managed to put together, and I've got to make a note here on some stuff that i got to do. I managed to put together my own little soundboard. Uh, you know, a lot, of these, a lot of these streamers, a lot of these YouTubers, and a lot of these Twitch people, all this, they got these little, you know, they got these little, um, little desks button switchers things that they can use for, <coughs> you know, Stream Deck type stuff, right? Little little remote controls. They can fire off very different sound effects. So I have, I have gone through and I found a piece of software. Now, for those of you who do YouTube or Twitch or whatever else, if you're, if you're into this kind of thing, uh, there is a piece of software called Jingle Palette Reloaded. And it is, uh, wait, is, is Midnight's Edge trying to compete against us? No, uh, no, it, it's not a competition. Midnight's Edge starts an hour before we do, and they're going at the same time we're going. They're supposed to wrap up in this first hour. There's a little overlap, just a little bit. But usually, if they get done on time, then it's it's there's enough time to jump over here for the interview segment. So our second hour is is after they they wrap, generally. But I've got this new piece of uh, software, this new this new software called Jingle Palette Reloaded, and it lets me load some sound effects and some music cues and whatnot into the little Microsoft Surface laptop that I've got which has a touch a touch screen and it's you know it's pretty it lets me it lets me touch the screen and I can fire off a little sound effect so 
I got my I got my own little stream deck ish kind of thing. All right. See this this kind of thing here is so here it is right here. All I got to do is just touch the touch the uh, touch the screen. Yay! Yay me! Which goes to the point that we'll start with here. <coughs> Show us the sound. Stop! You can't see sound. I can certainly feel it, though, in the Dune screening we were at last week. So, all right. So, um, where do we start? The, this, this idea that this is hard. This is the last week of February. This is the last week of my 53rd revolution around the sun. My birthday is coming up on Sunday. And I got to doing some math, and coming up in August this year will be 36 years, officially 36 years, because I started in, in August of 1988. No, how are we supposed to believe? Do, do you not hear? Are you not hearing this? There it is, right there. So my 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 thirty six years. I started in August of nineteen eighty eight in college radio. I guess I okay. You heard that. I guess I didn't have my sound up that much. I don't have the global thermonuclear war one yet. And I'm thinking about all of this time that I've done this and and Hassan Piker apparently has uh, touched off a firestorm on social media over the weekend because he had some things to say and I'm not exactly sure that he's completely wrong but he's not completely right either and everybody is like oh alright <laughs> Gojira there in the chat Hassan is as hard a worker as he is a true socialist <laughs> uh, okay let me let me play you the clip that's getting uh, bandied about and I'm uh, like don't 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 I'm not doing this to pile on to Hassan Piker I don't care about Hassan Piker but he raises an interesting point that's worth discussing here let me yes a real job can be gruesome a real job can make you very tired, but a real job doesn't suck the soul out of you. You know what I mean? In the same way that nine hours of streaming absolutely will. Okay, so that's the piece that's apparently. Yeah, I, I know. I know the sound is is uh, that's that's as loud as I can get it. Let me tr let me try it again. A real job can make you very tired. But a real job doesn't suck the soul out of you. You know what I mean? In the same way that nine hours of streaming absolutely will. All right. So a couple of things that I have a problem with with this. A real job can be hard. Yes. A real job can be physically taxing. I can speak to that. I'm not sure that I totally agree with the premise that this 
what we do here, streaming, Twitch, all YouTube, Rumble, whatever, I'm not completely convinced that this is not a real job. Now, a lot of us are doing this, and we're not getting paid to do it. We're doing it just because we 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 enjoy doing it. But some people, <laughs> some people are getting something out of it. Some people are getting paid to do it. Some people are getting paid pretty well to do it. So, yeah, for some, it is a real job. And... The real job, whether you're working in a radio station or working in a warehouse or working in the White House, it can be soul-sucking. Whether you do 9 hours, 11 hours, 5 hours, 70 hours, I mean, this is... The, it, it doesn't depend on the job itself. The actual tasks the skill set required for whatever it is that your job needs to be. What matters in the soul-sucking part is how you're treated by your co-workers and your management and how you treat others. And if there's a client interface, how you treat them, how they treat you, all of that kind of thing. It's a relational thing. That is the soul-sucking part. It's not about the job itself. And the work that's involved in doing something like this, it can be work. Oh, I gotta go to work. I gotta go, oh, I gotta stream again. If you're streaming for if you're streaming for nine hours, it had better be a special occasion. There is no reason, even if it's just playing a video game, there is no reason to stream that long without a break. However much you're interacting with your audience, it can it can be a drain. <coughs> Gojira has it. Streaming is a form of performance. You're putting yourself out there. This can be difficult. I'd empathize with him if he'd not gone on to suggest that there were no other real jobs. Yeah, I mean, when <laughs> there you go, stop. A real job doesn't suck the soul out of you like streaming. Tell me you've never had a real job without telling me you've never had a real job. I have had real jobs that were a little soul sucking. And some of them were in media, as a matter of fact. I have had real jobs that were pretty satisfying and, and not necessarily fulfilling, but at least at least they pay the bills or they partially pay the bills. I mean I, I give you I'll give you a for instance. This past weekend. Uh, you guys that were here on Friday, you know that that this show was late Friday evening because I had a real job stagehand set up that took longer than I expected it to take. And that job, the stagehand work, is physically taxing. This is lifting and carrying and pushing and pulling and, and building and, and all sorts of different things that 
take their toll physically. I mean, my knees and my back are not what they once were because of all of the crawling around on stages and under stages and, and, and pulling up scaffolds and truss and building structures and, you know, having some stuff hit me in the head and all this stuff. I had a show on Friday, Snob. It was just not at the regular scheduled time. But the job is the check. I mean, the the job, the stagehand work, I don't do that job because I enjoy it. I do it for two reasons. I do it, one, because I'm good at it. And most of the stuff that I do, I do because I'm good at it. If I wasn't good at it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But I'm good at it, and I get paid to do it. And there are bills to pay around here at the compound. There's a garden to expand. We have expenses, and we've got the you know, various different obligations that we got to take care of. And as the man and the head of the household and the person responsible for my family— I feel a certain amount of obligation that I need to go out and I do some work that brings money into the into the the house. This job here is not that because it's not paying the bills, it's not making me money like, you know, it, it generally through the YouTube ads and and that sort of thing, super chats and whatnot, it generally will pay for my hosting fee for the dot com for the website. And speaking of which, Rumble Rants, I gotta I gotta do this one thing. I have to acknowledge one that came in just as we were wrapping up Friday evening. Dyramuth gave us a two dollar rumble rant uh, saying for a fe fellow rumbler, hope you have a great night and an even better weekend. Let's go rumble. So, uh, Darmuth, thank you very much for that. By the way, let me let me let me take you through the wayback machine. You want to talk about work? This is uh, I mentioned the dot com. This is the current dot com sci fi for me dot com design, and we just published Mrs. Boss's first. Movie review. She normally does book reviews, but she's done a a movie review of Dune Part Two because she's she's read Dune more recently than I have. So we published her movie review. I want to take you back, to an earlier design for sci-fi for me.com. Those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you'll have to check out the video. But this is, and, and yes, there are some broken links in there. This is what the dot com looked like back in November of 2010. And it's uh it's a it's a basic design. You you, know, you remember when I said that the Saturn Awards website kind of reminded me of our old site. This is our old site. And it's not even the original. This is November of 2010, so we were already up and running for uh, just over an, a year and a half there by the time this design happened. But we've come a long way since then. 
And in a month, in less than a month, 15 years we will have been doing this. I will have been doing this 15 years. So in that particular instance, I'm thinking maybe a 15-hour stream, an hour for each year that we've been around, an anniversary stream or whatever. And, and in those particular cases, that's the special occasion type of thing where you'd want to stream for a long time, an extended period of time. You want to do a charity stream or some kind of a fundraiser or something like that. Okay, fine. But normal, normally, if you're going to do a two-hour stream, a three-hour stream, an hour stream, however long, that's not necessarily a huge amount of work. Now, what I have to do to prep for this, you know, I go through all of my emails, I check all of the alerts and the newsletters and whatnot, and I'm looking for all of the different news items. I'm looking through social media because people will post links to stories. Hey, did you guys see this? And Death Angel Shadows seeing commercials on Rumble? I didn't know. When did Rumble start running commercials? I did not know that they were doing that. So for for Hassan to come in and say it is soul sucking service, it it's it's not really. Except consider the possibility that there are some people who have a personality that allows them to get on camera and bebop around for however many hours. And as soon as that camera is off, as soon as that stream is done, they deflate so completely because they are so drained of energy, emotional energy, physical energy, whatever it is. They're because this does engage your brain and thinking and being, you know, on can drain the energy just a little bit. I wouldn't say that it's soul sucking. If it's soul-sucking, then you're in the wrong line of work. It can be tiring. It can be draining in terms of, you know, emotional and physical energy, mental energy, especially depending on what kind of topics you're covering. Because if you've got a bunch of happy topics, fine, you can get through it. If you have some sad topics, not so much because, you know, bad news happens and it's it's it can it can have its effect for example we have three deaths to report Kenneth Mitchell who's an actor uh, recently featured on Star Trek Discovery among other shows uh, finally lost his battle with ALS. Uh, and uh, and passed away on the 24th, and there have been all sorts of tributes uh, to him. I I I look at the pictures, and I'm thinking, how I I should I, for some reason I I should think I know this guy. I recognize him, and he's he's he was a working actor, a lot of guest roles, a lot of supporting cast. He played uh, Carol Danvers' father in in Captain Marvel. He's been in a lot of different shows, not as a regular, but as a supporting player. 
Uh, but he passed away over the weekend. And then we also got word that Ramona Fraden, uh, artist for DC, co-creator of the character Metamorpho, who is, I believe, going to be in the new Superman Legacy film, uh, passed away at age 97. By the way, if she's if she passed away at 97 and she was drawing, uh, she was drawing DC Comics long time ago. It kind of goes against that whole there's never been women in comics until now narrative. I mean, maybe that's just me. But there have been women in comics for a very long time. I am just... I'm just saying. So that's two. And then uh, we have science fiction author Steve Miller passing away as well. Uh, Award-winning science fiction writer, best known for the near-boundless universes and complex characters he created with his wife, uh, Sharon Lee. This is centralmaine.com reporting on the, uh, the 21st. So uh, it was uh, he didn't. They have not specified uh, a cause of death. He went downstairs. Sharon posted over on on uh, Facebook. He went downstairs to take a walk about four thirty. About five thirty, I thought he'd been a while. Went downstairs as he was going on. He was on the floor, unconscious, not breathing. Called nine one one. Did CPR till the ambulance and the EMT arrives. His heart. It, it sounds like a heart attack. But there's no official cause of death yet. But there's three. There's three right there. Boom. So our condolences to their families and friends and fans. It's it's this is tough stuff. This is this is hard to get through sometimes because you know if you're if you're not emotionally resilient, it can take its toll. Sure. Sci-Fi Snob says, women in comics are the reason boys buy comics. Um, wrong side of the page, <laughs> but yes. But I think the the ability to handle all of the different information, all of the different topics and the different thing, you know, the, the, the needing to pivot, we go from this to this to this and go that and that. The planning... For a show like this, takes a little while, depending on how much material there is. If I have a guest or not, or I have a panel or not. If there's breaking news, if there's you know stuff that's just happening, and we have to report it on the fly, and we got to figure out, okay, well, what what's happening now? <coughs> or you have, you know. Just things happening off the cuff. Stress does not come from working. Stress comes from the inability to act to change your situation. That that's a that's a good line. That's a good way of looking at it. Stress stress can come from working, but it's a different kind of stress because sometimes you're doing a task that maybe you're not completely prepared for, maybe you don't have the, the, the full set of skills that you need to do something, that causes stress. 
Um, I have spent a number of years myself uh, commiserating over the fact that I have not kept up with the computer skills and all of that kind of thing when I'm when I'm doing media production because codecs are just beyond me. I, I know what they are. I kind of know how they work. But in terms of the nuts and bolts and the nitty-gritty of, of digital media, I'm not a digital media guy. I grew up, you know, when I was when I was first starting, I was on three-quarter videotape, three-quarter inch videotape and beta tape and and SVHS. That's that's what I learned on. Those were the mediums that I was using. Digital came along later, and I played catch up pl- trying to figure out all of this all this computer stuff. I don't like the computer stuff. Dave says, you make it appear effortless, the sign of a true professional. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But I, so, and, and just to show you, this is, this is my setup here. This is what I'm looking at the whole time. It's, it's not, you know, this, you guys see this, these, you know, all these monitors sitting in front of me. This is what I'm looking at because I have over here, I have over here the 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 plugin that I'm using to call up the chats. So hey, there's Todd and is is there, and I have the I have the websites that I'm pulling in as a reference material. I've got my YouTube that I'm monitoring up here. Uh, Mrs. Boss's camera is down here on the on the bottom there, and so all of these different screens, all of this stuff that I got to keep track of, all of this. All of this information flow, and I have training for this. There are a lot of people out there that are doing the YouTube thing. They don't have this kind of setup. That it's not that complicated. They don't have all of this tech, you know, this whiz bang techie wow stuff. And you know, half of my half of my cameras are not even HD. So. You know, my, my my camera aimed at Todd, and my camera aimed right now at the envelope. We're going to do an unboxing. Those those are not H, HD cameras even. <laughs> what is this HD thing you speak? I don't know. High definition what? Wait, it's what are you going to do? What with my my picture? Yeah, I I grew up in the days of four three aspect ratio. All right, so let's do this. Let's uh, let's let's unbox. This is an envelope that I got on Friday in the mail. And I guess what can I do here? Let me. Yeah, rabbit ears. You know, it's it's funny because when when digital TV was going to be the thing, right? And and all of the over the air stuff was going away a few years ago. I remember this. There was. These little these little digital converter boxes that were that were all the thing that everybody had to get in order to get the digital signal over the air or however it was going, it was ridiculous. It was it was nigh on the same kind of not panic, but stress. You got to get the box or you won't be able to watch TV. Not necessarily a bad thing. All right. Unboxing. Let us open. We'll open the box. It's a book, by the way. 
Oh, 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 here we go. All right, this is, uh, it is a book called Travels Through Time by Mike Ricksecker. It is uh, here in order for me to look through it and read it before Mike is a get is a guest on the channel. Did I just hear some static? What happened there? See, even even now, with YouTube and all of this stuff, I don't have the latest high-tech stuff, and I can still do this. Anybody can do this. And you don't have to have a whole lot of fancy gear. You don't have to have all of the different time zones on your clocks. You can do it with a microphone and a camera and a set of headphones. And I do recommend a set of headphones because microphones sometimes will pick up the sound coming from the speakers and you'll get, uh, you'll get feedback. I'm just saying. Death Angel Shadow says, The irony is, over the air never went away. It just changed modulation. All HD TV is still available over the air for free, and any old TV antennas work great for HD TV. Yeah, it, you just have to you just have to have the setup. You just got to set it up right and and make sure that uh, that you've got everything connected properly. And that's the big thing. All of these computers that we've got nowadays, you got no connection ports in them, so you can't you can't connect any of your peripherals. Like, you know, there's no these towers don't have. Uh, Blu-ray DVD players in them anymore. When's the last time you saw a, a three and a half inch floppy A drive on a on a computer tower? And these Surface tablets, th this one, this one here it drives me nuts. This one here only has only one, only one USB port. Only one. And I'm thinking, how do you get anything done with something like this? Because you either either do without a mouse, or you've got to have some kind of a of a little hub so you can have your mouse and any external drive. It's ridiculous, but it's so they can get you just in this little box. Here is another death of sorts. Oh, by the way, um, Mike Mike Ricksecker is going to be here on the program in March. He will be here on March 21st. It will be the last interview that we do before our 15th anniversary. So March 21st, Mike Ricksecker. Weatherman says, I've got seven USB ports on my account. I told you, I, I've told Mrs. Boss, one of these days... I'm going to build my own PC. I'm going to build my own computer, and I'm going to have 20 USB ports on it, and it's going to have a dedicated power supply for those USB ports. Because I have gotten so sick and tired of this little pop-up that says, you don't have enough resources for all of these USB ports to be working. Because I have all these cameras. I've got that camera back there. And I've got this camera. 
And I've got Mindy's camera. And I've got this camera. And I've got this camera. And I would have other cameras. I used to have other cameras connected to the old computer, which had more USB ports. Here's a little bit of something. If you have cameras, if you have cameras uh, that use USB connector, connectors to get into your computer, whether it's a Mac or a PC, <clears throat> the, the thing is, if you plug USB cameras into a hub and then the hub goes into the tower, it, the, the computer will only see one of those cameras. Because it's going into one port in the in the computer. So camera, 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 camera into the hub, into the computer. It only sees the hub as, as one source. So it's only going to see one of those cameras that you plug into the hub. Yeah. So that's why I have cameras plugged into hubs and hubs plugged into the tower... But all of the hard drives, all of the external hard drives and everything else that I've got plugged in that I've got to have are plugged into the hubs. So the, the, the computer doesn't have any problem seeing all of the different hard drives connected to the hubs. But cameras, it'll only see one. So I have to sit there and go, Uh, Death Angel says, that's not how you're supposed to see things. Is your hub going into a USB-C port on the PC? No, I only have one USB-C port on this particular tower. The rest of them are USB-3. And believe me, I have tried six ways from Sunday, all sorts of different ways to, to plug this stuff in. And the only way I can make it work is to have each camera plugged into a different kind of thing. My hub needs to be USB-C to the PC. I Well, see, I only have one USB-C port on the, on the tower. And I have one hard drive that's USB-C. Everything else is USB because I got old tech. I got old tech. Speaking of old tech and speaking of things that are dying, let me give you this one here. Dungeons and Dragons discontinues Portuguese translations. This uh, actually, uh, Death Angel Shadow posted this over on our Discord. This is comicbook.com. Wizards of the Coast has announced they will stop translating Dungeons and Dragons books into Portuguese less than two years after launching its Portuguese language line. Late last night, Wizards of the Coast announced they plan to discontinue Portuguese translations of Dungeons & Dragons rule books after releasing three books originally published in English in 2022. In a statement published to D&D Beyond, Wizards of the Coast blamed, quote, rising costs and shifts in global demand <clears throat> for the decision, stating that Portuguese-language D&D books had not kept pace with rising costs across the board. Wizards said they will... They still plan to publish D&D books in English, French, German, Italian, Japanese, and Spanish, although not every book would be released in every language. And it's, it's interesting that this has happened, and I get, I don't know how many years we're going to go 
for with with various in, different industries blaming the rising costs and supply chains and all that other stuff. This is you know you're you know COVID has given us a very very convenient excuse for doing certain things or for not doing certain things anymore. You know supply chain being the way it is, transportation costs have gone up, fuel costs have gone up, uh, paper costs have gone up. And it's just not worth it anymore. <clears throat> but then there's the other side of it in that, as we've talked about here, and we've talked about over the Discord, the people that are running Wizards of the Coast right now are all coming from Microsoft. And Microsoft is all about the digital transaction. And... We're not going to do the, the Portuguese stuff in print anymore kind of has me wondering, and others in the Discord have been wondering, whether or not this is Wizards of the Coast moving away from print for this product, and then eventually they move away from print for other product until finally... All of the print is gone. I mean, they just got rid of their print division over there at, at Watsi, I think, right? Eventually, the idea is to get everything all digital. Because here's what happens. If you have all digital assets, and we've seen this happen, so, so I know it's possible, I know it's conceivable that this could happen because it has happened. You have a fee. You pay a fee. You pay money. Money that you worked a real job for, and you have this money that you get in exchange for the work that you do. And now you take this money and you give it to Wizards of the Coast for this D&D product that you want to buy, that you want to own. And you sit there and go, I would like your product, please. And so you give them the money and they give you the thing. Except they're not really giving you the thing. If it's a digital transaction and it's a digital product, then you're getting access to the thing. I know, De Death Angels, I missed it. it. It happened on Brazil's National RPG Day. Irony of ironies, is it not? But, the, but we get everybody to digital assets so that it's easier to take those things away from you if they determine that you are guilty of wrong think. If you have, uh, if you have become associated with particular organizations or political parties or ideological movements or whatever, I mean, we saw what happened up in Canada. The truckers had their bank, their bank accounts frozen and seized. That's all digital. It's all ones and zeros. All I got to do is just flip a button. Click click here. Done. You don't have access to your things anymore. They did it to Jeremy at the quartering with his Magic the Gathering stuff, his, his digital library, gone. Doesn't matter that he paid for it. Doesn't matter that it's supposed to be his. Sorry, we're going to take it away because we don't like something that you said. We don't like something that you posted. 
There's Jeff from World Class BSers. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. And that is a name that we have not seen in the chat in a long time, so I get to do this. Yay. Happy to have you. Great. Great to have you. Hope you stick around. I know a lot of people are going off on what kind of computer tower I need. <laughs> I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build it. Yeah, Weatherman, you're right. Di digital means you're leasing it till they take it away. Or until they change it. Like they do with Roald Dahl and R.L. Stein and Agatha Christie and, and Ian Fleming. For the modern audiences. And this is the same kind of thing. If, if, if I have a way, you download a product... Well, it's entirely possible that a little widget comes in, and if I send a code out to that widget, the widget could delete the file, or the widget could change the file. We do an update. Get your physical media. That's right, Snob. Physical media. Physical media is the way to go. Go to your half-price books, used bookstores, and get your physical media. And that includes new stuff. If you've got games that you're going to get, you know, get get the discs. Get the get the actual thing in your hand. That's one of the reasons why I haven't updated my Adobe. I'm using CS6, which is the last version of Adobe Premiere, Photoshop, After Effects. It's the last version that's available on discs that I can have in my hand and I can use them to, to install on my computer. Creative Cloud came after that, and I am not doing Creative Cloud. I don't trust the cloud. Yeah, Gujira is right. They're reducing the amount of physical media too. Get your physical media. Well, I mean, look at look at uh, uh, Best Buy. Best Buy has decided we're not going to carry physical media again anymore. That's a mistake. And I get it. If you're not selling enough. It's costing you money. That's a, that's a hard decision that you've got to make. But at some point, somebody is going to go out there and say, we're still selling physical media. Come on down. And they're going to do all the business. And they're going to get all the monies. <coughs> Especially if they sit there and say, hey, we have Hogwarts Legacy. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal. And it's behind a paywall. So uh, if you have the Wall Street Journal, you can read this. Can Warner Brothers uncancel J.K. Rowling? This is still a thing, folks. This is from February 23rd. Eric Schwarzel. Nice, good German name. To Warner Brothers, the Hollywood studio that brought Harry Potter to life in blockbuster movies and theme park attractions around the world, J.K. Rowling may just as well have been wearing an invisibility cloak. It was early 2022, and the Harry Potter author had avoided executives for more than two years. She'd recently skipped a reunion special that streamed on the company's Max service, a notable absence amid the now-grown stars of the film. Are we rewriting history? Because I seem to remember that she wasn't invited. I seem to recall that J.K. Rowling, bad. We don't want her involved in this. And and the she skipped. She wasn't invited. Okay, well, I'm, I guess I'm remembering that wrong. I'm old. It happens. 
But at the same time, the actors were sitting there going, yeah, it's probably better that she's not here because we don't like her now. I was thinking that she had been invited, that, that, that she didn't get invited, but okay. All right. <coughs> uh, when she soon after attended the premiere of an installment of the spinoff Fantastic Beaks series, she didn't pose for photos with the cast. The stars who had embodied her iconic characters wanted little to do with her. Critics and former fans had spent the last two years castigating the author for public comments on gender and sex that they saw as attacks on transgender rights. When Warner didn't rush to her defense, she felt betrayed by a company that had collected billions of dollars from her creation. Then, like a letter arriving via Owl Post, word came that David Zaslav, the new chief executive of the studio's parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, wanted to try to repair the damage. Zadzlav had started his new job when an associate told him to get on a plane to the U.K. if he wanted a chance at winning over the writer who controlled his company's most valuable property. Sitting across the table from one another at a London supper club soon after, Rowling and Zadzlav spent four hours discussing their childhoods, their families, how they weathered COVID. Zaslav wanted to breathe new life into the Harry Potter franchise, seeing a new TV show as a potential tentpole for his streaming strategy. But he needed to use a light touch. This was about salvaging a relationship so complicated and emotional that many have described it as not as a business partnership, but as a marriage. What was it like taking over this company, Rowling asked him, according to a person familiar with the exchange. What is your ambition? Zaslav replied, a big part of it is you. Now, you remember when Zaslav took over and he, he, he said, we need to be about making money. And the Harry Potter franchise is a very important part of that because the Harry Potter franchise makes money for them. Look at what happened with Hogwarts Legacy. Big, big sales for that game last year. By the way, by the physical media. And J.K. Rowling's a big part of it. Now, she wasn't directly involved in the game, as far as I know. I mean, they may have consulted her. She may have had to sign off on some things that they wanted to do. But they, they go and make the game. She makes the money. Over much of the past 25 years, J.K. Rowling held remarkable sway over the executive suite at Warner, which bought the rights to her fantasy series when she was an unknown writer. As Harry Potter's popularity grew, Rowling's power soared. Over time, she exerted de facto control of the critical Warner asset, vetoing ideas, limiting its story. Not de facto. She's the author. She's the creator of the universe. Depending on how you got that contract set up, of course she's got control and she has veto power. She made the thing. That's not de facto. She owns the rights. <sighs> Executives flew across the Atlantic to charm her or patch things up after a screaming match for much of her partnership with Warner Brothers, Rowling has largely kept her distance from the studio team, heightening an aura of impenetrability and suspicion. The few people who interact with her flex that, flex that closeness by calling her Joe. Uh, okay, it, this this just seems to be one of these things where Zaslav is, is going in to make nice with J.K. Rowling. He's, he's got to fix... What's going on at Warner Brothers? 
He's got to fix the problems that came out of uh, the AT&T ownership. All of these companies, and we talked about this here, we've talked about it on other channels, we talked about it over on Comics Division's channel last week. All of these studios are in trouble financially. All of them are sitting there going, uh, we need to figure out how we make money. How do we make money? Well, give the people what they want is not a bad strategy to try. Hojo there in the chat, congrats on 2500 Thank you very much. Yeah, Gozera, quit insulting your customers. That's a good strategy. Let's try that. Let's try spinning. That works. I don't think they're going to learn. I don't think they're going to learn anything. I don't think they're going to figure this stuff out. At the same time, though, maybe. Maybe some of them will. But... One step forward, two steps back, seems like, sometimes. Like this, for example. The Foundation. This is this this is the series that's based on Isaac Asimov's books. Foundation replaces line producer, brings Skydance EP to set ahead of season three production restart. Now this is this has all sorts of potential to go badly. It really does. There's Blackie in the chat. Congratulations on 2500. Thank you very much. And I think Blackie is the... I think I... Uh, I'm going to say I haven't seen that name before. Welcome to the chat. Good to have you. Yes, Cam, uh, Hojo met his IGG funding goal. Go! Congratulations! Keeping distance from Hollywood seems sensible to me. <laughs> yes, Blackie, it does. I... And it and it and it, it it brings to my, what just happened there. It brings to mind when I first started in this business almost thirty six years ago. I told uh, when I told my mother that I was going to get into radio. Radio, you can't make any money doing radio, and she was very concerned about my desire to go into film. When I saw Lawrence of Arabia up on screen, I saw the restored, uh, tour, the the restored version that toured uh, from Warner Brothers, the big anniversary screenings, and that was a massive, massive undertaking because they went back in, you know, completely cleaned up the negative, restored all of the picture, and then went in and digitally. Uh, re-recorded some of the dialogue that had been uh, messed up and they took Peter O'Toole and Alec Guinness and Omar Shiri in, 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 and re-recorded and then digitally altered their voices to match their younger selves. And it was a huge thing. And I remember I saw Lawrence of Arabia and I saw Silverado and I said, that's what I want to do. I want to go make movies. And... It hasn't quite worked out that way, but that's fine. I've made movies. I've made a feature film. It was a rom-com. I've made short films. I've had one on the Sci-Fi Channel. I, you know, I got some bragging rights. Okay. It's been a thing. But, you know, life has a way of going different directions that you don't plan. 
And so that just, you know, that happens. And you find yourself in Kansas City with your second marriage and a 22-year-old kid, and you're not doing anything that you anticipated that you were going to do in your adult life. Uh, but anyway, okay, so Foundation is based on Isaac Asimov's books. <clears throat> this is Nellie Andreeva in Deadline on the 24th. Foundation, the Apple TV Plus series from Skydance TV, is making more changes ahead of resuming production on its upcoming third season following a delay due to budgeting and physical production issues. As Deadline reported, filming is slated to begin March 6th in the Czech Republic, capital of Prague, and four Polish cities, the capital of Warsaw, as well as Krakow, Lublin, and Katowice. Lori Borg, who served as line producer, co-executive producer on season two, and the already completed portion of season three, is leaving. Doug Moreno, who had been credited as production controller on season three, is stepping into the line producer role. Additionally, Foundation executive producer Bill Bost will be moving to Prague, for the duration of principal photography, Bost oversaw the launch of Foundation as president of Skydance Television, and before that, the series' development as SVP of television. He remained an executive producer on the show after stepping down from his TV president post in November 2022, segueing to a production deal with the indie studio. As Deadline reported, Foundation co-developer, executive producer, showrunner David S. Goyer will continue to write and executive produce the series from Los Angeles. He is believed to have rendered directing services during earlier Season 3 production, but will not be helming further Season 3 episodes as previously planned. His directing replacements are still being finalized. So David S. Goyer has been let go? We don't need you anymore. It's it's time for a change. I mean, why would why would they sit there? I, now it's entirely possible that David S. Goyer sit there and says, "I you know I really don't want to go to the Czech Republic for six months." Okay, fine. Somebody else will do it. So you're no longer the showrunner. You're no longer the executive producer. Okay, that could be the conversation that they had. It could also be that the executive over at Skydance. The office guy said, well, how hard can it be? I can do it. I don't know how well this is going to go. <coughs> yes, Michael, he is still writing, but he's no longer going to be directing. And I don't know how you do that from Los Angeles if you're shooting in the Czech Republic. I mean, you can only do so much by vi by remote. You just can't. Snob says, filming on season three may be delayed due to World War III. Boy, man, aren't we getting close. Uh Oh, uh, the monkeys, the monkeys. So, yeah, so it looks like it looks like we're going to get an office guy uh, as showrunner for that uh, particular production. I'm not sure exactly that that's a good idea. Who had 61 minutes on the Minoc attack? Are we are we buffering on YouTube now? I have not seen any indication here. I haven't seen any hamster wheels here. Uh, so I don't know if we're, 
some some of it some of it is a cable. There's a cable somewhere that I'm having some. <laughs> there's a cable somewhere that I'm having some issues. I think I don't know. All right, Gojira says not a good idea. Since when has this stopped him? Oh, that's true. That's very true. Because, hey, I've got a thought. <clears throat> what if? That's that's not a good idea. But some of these people, you can't tell them what to do. You can't tell them that's a bad idea. They have to learn for themselves. They have to learn the hard way. They have to learn when the ratings tank and the money goes away and the advertisers abandon ship and they said they go, we don't want anything to do with this. That happened. It happened on Star Trek. It happened with Netflix and and Secret Hideout. And they sat there and said, "What is this crap you're giving us? I don't we we don't we don't want to pay for this anymore." Kurtzman. Speaking of speaking of payments and speaking of money, <clears throat> this news broke this morning, and I have to take issue with it, and I'm gonna. I already did online. This is Deadline. Dominic Patton writing here today. The Mandalorian and Grogu lands one of California's largest tax credit awards ever. First Star Wars flick to be shot in Golden State. Now, I had to read this a couple of times before I realized what it was saying because Mindy caught it before I did. Because I hadn't had my coffee yet. And Mindy's like, wait a minute. And I'm, I'm, blink, 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 hold on, before it registered exactly what this headline actually says. It says something really stupid. There's Hex Allen. Hello, everyone. Congratulations, 2500. Thank you very much. Uh, the kickback for filming locally. Yes. Now, this is this is something that a lot of states do, and we'll get into that here. Basically, what this is. So, so I'm I'm a studio. I'm my 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 production company is Devonshire Jamestown Productions. Devonshire Jamestown Pictures. I haven't done anything with it in a while. That's why I forgot. Devonshire Jamestown Pictures. That's my that's my production studio. That's my production banner. So I'm going to go into Texas, and I'm going to shoot a movie in Texas. Or I'm going to shoot a movie in Atlanta. I'm going to shoot a movie in California or wherever. There's a number of states that have these incentives that basically said, if you bring your work here and you spend money here, we will rebate 35%, 25%, whatever the percentage is for that tax incentive. And it's called a tax incentive, but it's really not. Basically what it does is it's if I if I end up spending $100,000 in Kansas City to film this production that I'm doing, then 35% of that I can take back and count as not spent for the for the for the for the taxes. So you don't get a you don't get a break on the tax, you get a break on the amount that you have to report that you spent. It's it's a it's a different thing. It's a bunch of different things. So 
So you go you go in and the more you spend, the more tax credits that you have rebate wise. And then those you can go and sell anything that you didn't use, you can sell to other productions and then they can use them. It's a it's it's a whole thing. But it is it is very vulnerable to fraud, as they found out in the state of Iowa. I believe it was in Iowa. That, I mean, that whole that whole program, I think it was in Iowa, that whole program got shut down because of the amount of fraud that was going on. It's 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 easy to abuse. You gotta be very, very careful and you gotta you gotta keep all sorts of records to make it work. So that's that side. But this this Dominic should know better. The Star Wars franchise is coming to shoot in California for the first time with the Mandalorian and Grogu movie, and the Golden State is paying out its weight in tax incentive gold to have the Bounty Hunter saga made within state lines. That's all I'm going to read in this thing. Dominic? You're an idiot. Because, yes, as other people have pointed out here in the chat, hang on, wait a minute. Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi shot in Death Valley, in California. This is not the first production. It's the first, it might be the first Disney production, maybe. But it is not the first Star Wars production to shoot in California. Ever. It has been done before. And I get it. There are some of you out there. If it didn't happen. I mean if it happened before you were born. It didn't happen. Yeah the the Redwoods. Was that in California? Because I was thinking that was further north. But yeah the Redwood Forest for for Jedi. for for, For Endor. This is not new. This is not the first time that Star Wars is shot in California. The Mandalorian production has, I think, been shooting up in Vancouver. And the volume up there in the studio up there in Vancouver, I think. So, Canada. So, this could be the first time the Mandalorian project is shooting in California. Okay, you, I, I'll give you that one. But Dominic, over at Deadline, or is this Deadline? Yeah, Deadline. Dominic Patton over at Deadline needs to do his homework. Is this, is this the first? Who told you it's the first Star Wars movie to shoot in California? Who told you that? Where did that information come from? Are you trying to sell a particular narrative on behalf of someone? Are you trying to make a particular thought reality because you've been told to? Or are you just too lazy and stupid to do your homework and do your research and look things up? There is all sorts of documentation on the various different Star Wars productions over the years. 
it's not that hard to find that Star Wars has shot in California before. To quote the famous philosopher, you idiot. Come on, Dominic. Do better. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Redonkulous even. That you would put that out there. Because there are a lot of us who know different. Because we were there. I've got, I've got a guy in the chat who's actually been to those places in California where Star Wars was shot. With the cameras and the film and the crew. And the girls in the metal bikinis. It was all in California. Death Valley. Look it up. Well, now, okay, so Dave asks a question about, you know, you've got the ILM stuff in California. Technically, that that would be the effect, that's post-production, so that's not necessarily principal photography. So, yeah, it's splitting hairs, but you could sit there and say, you know, they haven't shot anything for ILM, because ILM will go out and they'll shoot background plates at various different places around the world. But it's it's post production. It's the visual effects stuff that they do at the in in, in the back the back half of things. Michael says that was a passable Ren. Okay, I need to stress more on the idiot. I'm out of practice. I'm out of practice. But that's just unbelievable. Let me check myself. It is believable because it has been demonstrated and it has been postulated and theorized all sorts of different ways that Deadline and The Hollywood Reporter and Variety are mouthpieces, PR wings of the studios. This is where the stories will get floated out there first in order to see how people react to it. And this, there needs to be pushback on this. There needs to be pushback on this headline that says that Star Wars has never shot in California before because that's not right. That's not correct. It is not factually accurate. And if... Dominic is a journalist, then he needs to be taken to task here and corrected and say, hey, you got something wrong. Hey, deadline, this is incorrect. Gojira says this may also be an attempt to pretend California isn't a dumpster fire losing business as fast as you all can replenish the California fleet. Well, there's that aspect too. But <coughs> California, the, the tax incentives uh, have always been a thing in California. 
Now, the the challenge has been to make the tax incentives in California competitive with the other states. You have Texas, you have Georgia, Missouri's got something, Kansas City has its own thing. The municipality has its own incentive program as well as the state of Missouri. Kansas used to have one. I don't know if they do right now or not. I think Michigan has still got one. I think maybe New York has one. Maybe Florida has one. Not every state has them. But there are various different states that put these programs into place in order to attract the business. Come here. Because it's not just shoot the movie in our state. It's shoot the movie in our state, stay in our hotels, eat at our restaurants, go to our attractions, go see movie theaters at our theaters, go to the go to the theme parks that are here in town, you know, Oceans of Fun, Worlds of Fun. Uh, down in Texas, you go to Six Flags or whatever. And you can spend you can spend your money in our our place. You know, go to a Royals game, go to a Chiefs game, go to a whatever the new women's soccer game is, where they're going to be charging fifty dollars a pop for parking. But there are there are other places. You know, you come in to make your movie here. You're not going to be doing just that. You're going to be spending your money on all the different things, the ancillary expenses that come with it. Car rentals and hotel and food and gas and, and tchotchkes and souvenirs and, and, and recreation. All of that money comes into that area, and it's a lot of money, especially if you're getting a bigger production where you get maybe— you know, 50 to 100, 200 people come in on, on into this area. Now, they'll hire locals. So that's the other aspect of it. So if if Paramount or Warner Brothers wants to come in, well, uh, uh, up in the air with that George Clooney movie. It was shot in St. Louis. And there were some pieces that were shot here in Kansas City. They hire local talent. They hire a local crew. So that's additional money that gets infused into the local economy. And that's why they do these tax incentive programs is to get that money into the local economy so it'll circulate and it will help improve not only the municipality's budget, but also the state. And it Oklahoma has one. They just lost Tulsa King. Where are they shooting Tulsa King? I thought they were shooting that in Tulsa. Did they lose that? Where are they shooting Tulsa King now? Huh. I'll have to look that up. Because they were. Now, I'll give you a for example. When it's when when it works against you. Because for a while, Missouri didn't have one. And one of the reasons why we got it in Kansas City. This is because the local politicians understood it a little bit better than the state politicians. The state finally has come around, but it's taken a lot of lobbying, a lot of conversations, a lot of, hey, look at what we lost. I'll give you an example. There's a movie called uh, Mad Money, I think it's called. Diane Keaton, Queen Latifah, I don't know, who, uh, 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 Katie Holmes, where they're working at the U.S. Mint Department of Treasury 
in Kansas City, and they they hatch a scheme to rob the Department of Tre- the, the the Treasury Department building because here's all of this money that's now been taken out of circulation. Well, instead of instead of feeding it into the shredder, why don't we take it? That's that movie is set in Kansas City, but they shot it in Shreveport, Louisiana. Because at the time, Louisiana had the tax incentives and Missouri did not. And so you get a movie that's supposed to be in Kansas City that had black and white police cars. And anybody who lives in Kansas City, if you're from Kansas City, you know that we don't have black and white police cars here in Kansas City. Most of them are blue. Some of the older ones are dark red, like maroon wine color. We don't have black and white radio cars in Kansas City. Some of the suburbs do. Well, Latha's got them over in Kansas. But Kansas City doesn't have black and white police cars. And I saw that and I was like, that's not Kansas City. And then I saw it was shot in Shreveport, of all places. But that's how tax incentives work. I will, I will basically get a rebate of a certain percentage of however much that I spend, I'll get some of that back. So I have not spent as much, quote-unquote so-called, in this as I, as I actually have, so that I can say on my taxes... Instead of saying, I spent $100,000, I only spent 75000 And it's perfectly legal. And it's, and it's a legitimate way of, of doing things. So we'll see. I, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Twenty-five hundred. Now, the reason why I waited for a week to do this kind of a stream, and we're really not doing. Oh, well, they're headed to Atlanta. See, Georgia has some of the most competitive uh, incentives anywhere. That's one of the reasons why they got a huge, the huge uh, film production uh, industry down there. That's why Tyler Perry put his stuff down. He put his his studio down there, even though he's not going to expand it the way he thought he was going to because of the AI. And he's got concerns. He's got concerns. He's like, you know, this whole AI thing, this could be a bad thing. And I'm not going to spend all of my hundreds of millions of dollars to expand my studio, my campus here, until we figure this stuff out. Meanwhile... Blackwell's Capital, which is the other activist organization trying to get seats on the board of the Walt Disney Company, they're saying the studio should embrace AI to create characters and improve the parks. No. 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 We don't need to do this. You do not need need AI. Hire your people. Hire people who have talent and skills to do the thing you want to get done. You don't need to AI everything. Stop it. Just stop it. There's no reason to do that. So I've been sitting on this for for a week, and here's why. Because as soon as we hit 2,500 the first time, 
We went to 2501, and then we came back to 2500. This this happens every single time. When we hit a milestone, 2000, 2500, it'll happen when we hit 3000. It'll happen when we hit 20,000, if we ever hit 20,000. But we have this this time where we'll cross that threshold. And we sat at 2501 for about an hour and it dropped back down to 2500. And then it sat and then we went to 2499 again. It dropped. And it went to 2498, 24. We got back down to 2496 before climbing back up again. And we've gone now for almost a week solid over 2500 that I feel comfortable that we can actually sit there and go, yeah, hey, we did it, 2500. We're currently sitting at about 2506. And over on Rumble, we are one away from 200. And on Odyssey, we're just nine away from 600. So everything is growing. We're, we're getting there. Slowly. We're getting there. We'll see. <coughs> I don't know. Let me share this with you here. This is uh, Deadline interviewing Rachel Brosnahan. She is the new Lois Lane. And uh, they were at the SAG Awards asking her about her prep to play the intrepid reporter. Let me Let me share this with you because I find it interesting what Ms. Brosnahan has to say quick lois lane how did you prepare to play such a cinematic icon so beloved what did you do ahead of time okay hang on a second here lois lane is a comic book icon not a cinematic icon she is a comic book icon get it right how are we going to feel about her Oh God, well that question I can't answer. We haven't started shooting the movie yet, so I'm still preparing. Uh, I'm talking to some journalists, I'm reading a lot of comics. There's so many that I hadn't read before. Okay, check that. Did you catch that? I'm reading a lot of comics, so many that I haven't read before. Now, that could be one of two things. There are so many I haven't read before because I haven't read any, or there are so many I haven't read before Besides the ones I have. Maybe she's a comic book reader. Does that imply she's a comic book reader and just hasn't read a lot of the Superman comics? And so it's been really fun just to dig into this universe. And we were just out in Atlanta. We did our first table read. I got to see the suit. And I was blown away. So I hope that, that the fans are as well. Quick, Lois Lane. Okay, <laughs> I've just noticed something. You are you talk about you talk about jerry rigging, right? I want you to look at this. Um, okay, I just I just now noticed this. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'm going to try to describe this for you. So, Deadline Reporter is holding a microphone. It appears to be a wireless microphone. However. There is no transmitter connected to the base of this microphone that I can see. There is a cord coming out from the top 
that looks like the cord for a lavalier mic, a, a, a lapel mic. And it looks like they have rigged this microphone the same as I've done uh, for one of our our microphones. I've got a I've got an old microphone that that doesn't work anymore. So I hollowed it out. I took the guts out of it. So I've still got the shell. And uh, for a long time, we were doing some stuff, and I wanted to make sure that we had some kind of an option for if the only thing we've got is our cell phone. Well, how do we plug it in so we still got a, a, a good microphone sound? So I took an earbud, earbud microphone combination and stuck it inside the mic with the cord coming through the bass. So it's it's not a wireless, but it, it's you. But now I've got a cord that I can plug into a cell phone, or at least the old days before they changed all the ports and everything on these things. But that's what it looks like they've done here. They ran the thing, but they didn't put it inside the microphone. Somebody, somebody picked up the microphone and went, "Oh crap! Where's the wireless transmitter?" It has to be. I'm like, where's the wireless transmitter? Okay, what do we do? Um, hang on. We've got this. We've got this lavalier mic. Okay, put it there. I am absolutely certain that that lavalier mic is hidden underneath the windsock on the top of the microphone, and that's the microphone that they're actually using, not the one that she's got in her hand. That is so funny to me. I, I'm just not noticing. That is hilarious. But it also goes to show you that even the people with all of the money and the resources sometimes have to make things up as they go. Now, that's a technician. The guy running the camera or the or the producer that's sitting there, the field producer that's sitting there with this reporter, that's somebody who's thinking on his feet and said, okay, we got to, here, here, let's this, 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 go. And it's and it's problem solved. That's what that's who you want on your team when you're out in the field and something goes sideways like that. Because that's funny, and I've had that happen to me before. I I have had that happen to me where something something stops working and you've you're out three hours from your office and. I gotta, I gotta figure something out. I gotta make it up. I gotta, I gotta make it work. And so, yeah, she does. She is doing the same pose as the as the statue. I just, I just happened to to catch it at the same same spot. But uh, yeah, there we are. So she's reading comic books. She's reading comic books, ladies and gentlemen. She's doing her homework. She's talking to journalists, but she's reading comic books, and it brings to mind. What uh, Sydney Sweeney said about reading comic books when she was starting to work on Madam Web, and she's like, "I want to, I want to do this thing that the character does in the book." There is a little hope from some corners. A lot of people are excited about Superman Legacy. We'll have to see how it goes. They start shooting this week, I understand. Uh, so we'll see. What we can see. I don't know. 
Yeah, I feel bad for Sweeney. All that effort for such a garbage. Result. I still haven't seen Madame Web yet, <coughs> but uh, I feel bad for everybody that's part of that production, cast and crew, because you don't, you you never set out to work on something that will fail. You never set out to work on a bomb. There are times where a production is being done, Fantastic Four, simply to retain the rights, Constantine films, and you know, the original Fantastic Four that Roger Corman, this is a good example of this. Constantine films made this movie for a pittance, chump change. And there was never ever any intent for that movie to be released out into the public. The only reason they made it is so they could retain the rights to the characters and it wouldn't revert back to Marvel. That's why every time you see a Fantastic Four movie, Constantine Films is part of that list of Marvel Studios and Constantine Films presents the Fantastic Four. The Roger Corman movie is probably the most faithful to the source material out of any of them, but you're never going to see it, not officially, unless Marvel does some weird, tricky thing. And I don't know. Now that we're getting the DC Marvel omnibus and the and the Amalgam omnibus, who knows? Maybe we will get Roger Corman's Fantastic Four officially released on home video. Wouldn't that be a trip? But nobody really sets out to, to work on something bad. When they were doing Fantastic Four under Roger Corman, they were doing, it's like, we're going to make this the best Fantastic Four movie that we can make so people can enjoy it because we want to tell a good story, we want to do a good job. And with the, with the amount of resources that they had, the technology that they had at the time, I think they did pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's you know 80s schlock, you know bad bad effects and whatnot. But that's that's the kind of movie that Roger Corman makes. It was a typical Roger Corman movie, but it was a good Fantastic Four film. And they didn't approach the work any different because I guess maybe they didn't know. I'm sure that Corman knew. I, I don't know that for certain, but I'm sure the executives, they probably had those conversations that, well, this is never going to get released, but we're going to do a good job anyway. Nobody ever sets out to make a bad movie unless they're making a bad movie on purpose, like for parody or commentary or something like that. You don't want to do something and have people look at it and go, oh, that's crap. You, you just don't. So you look at something like Ice Pirates, for example, or Battle Beyond the Stars, or Galactica 1980. These people had the best of intentions. I want to make something that people will enjoy. I want to tell a story that will be fun. It doesn't always work. But you don't deliberately make it bad. You don't deliberately set out to have something fail. So the fact that they're doing 
the fact that they're doing their homework, the fact that these characters, these these actors, the, these actors are doing their homework, are preparing by going back to the source material. I'm taking that as a good sign. <laughs> yeah, Cam, they had those boss flying motorcycles in Galactica 1980. I I liked I liked I thought they were cool when I was a kid. I mean, 1980, I was 10. <clears throat> uh Blackie says I enjoy watching all of those and Gorman's Fantastic Four. I, you know, it's it, it's out there. I mean, Corman's Corman's Fantastic Four you can find on YouTube now and you can watch the whole thing. Yeah, it's a good sign unless your showrunner hates it, in which case being super nerd means nothing. Ask Henry Cavill. <laughs> that's that's true. <coughs> you don't make it to fail, but you may know it's garbage to start with, says Michael. Maybe. Um but in that case, you sit there and go, Yeah, it's gonna be crap, so let's just let's just have fun. Uh, that's, and, and that's what got us Firefly. You know, they're halfway through the season and they learn they've been canceled. They're like, all right, well, we'll let's just do what we're going to do and let's just do it our way. What are they going to do? Cancel us? They already have. And you get some of the best work from people who just have nothing to lose anymore. So there's that. Yeah, and studio interference sometimes uh, causes problems, Gojira. You've got that right. Because uh, the when the network executives... when the, See, and that's, that's when... Because network executives... Back in the day, your, your censors, your standards and practices people, they'd want to see the scripts first. And so a lot of these people, a lot of these productions would have stuff in the script that they knew would trigger the censors. And that stuff would catch the attention and not the real stuff they wanted to get through in, 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 the, in the episode. They were sneaky back then. And, you know, well, you can't have them do this. Okay, fine. Well, how about I, how about I change it to this? Okay, that, that's, that's fine. You know, you, you, you push a little and dial it back and, and what you really want is your goal you achieve because you, you know, you don't see anything over here type of stuff. Yeah, Ron Perlman said in an interview he had an entire section of Blockbuster called Paying the Bills. Yeah, well, Michael, you're right. Uh, uh, quoting Michael Caine, it takes a low standard of film to support my high standard of living. Well, and and Michael Caine has done interviews about uh, about the Jaws movie that he was in, and he's he's never seen it apparently, but it bought his mother a nice house. And sometimes that's what you got to do. I mean, look at Nicolas Cage's career; he did a lot of a lot of films. Because he needed the money to pay, uh, to pay a debt. Same with uh, Kevin Bacon. I mean, Kevin Bacon had had whatever. I, I guess he got caught up in the Bernie Madoff thing. I think, and he lost a lot of money in investments. And now suddenly he's just, he's got to work. I gotta I gotta feed my family. I gotta pay for the mortgage. You know, it, they're real people just like we are. And sometimes you just you just work. And you do the job, and you get the paycheck, and it doesn't matter if it's good or not. 
You just and suddenly you've got ninety seven thousand credits on your IMDB listing in in a period of ten years. Oh man, that guy's in everything. Well, yeah, he probably had a house to pay for. It's like us. We got we got bills to pay here. And this doesn't pay anything. Which is fine. I mean, if you guys want to give us super chats or super thanks or whatever else, and I think you know, I think the subscribe star account's still open. We may we may open memberships back up. <coughs> Maybe. And uh let you guys do that. Cause I see, and this is the thing. I you go back to, to what we started with, with this thing being hard. The hardest thing for me in all of this is the solicitation part of it, right? You know, give us a like, give us a retweet, give us a thumbs up, and then you know, I don't, I'm not, that, I, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't do that kind of thing. I, I'm not comfortable with that. It's, I I I have sales skills, but that to me doesn't really feel like it's a I'm I'm I don't have anything to sell. I mean, if you guys want to give us those things as a reward for what we do, that's a different thing. But that's on you. I don't I, I I'm sitting there going, well, yeah, you could do it. You could send us this stuff, but I I just don't feel comfortable asking for it. Uh, Mazer says, I'm perturbed by the cut YouTube takes from Super Chats, so if you go to a different system of accepting gratuities and support, let me know. Well, like I said, I think the Subscribestar account is still open. And Rumble, I think. Uh, Rumble, I think, will do... I think... Did they extend that... Uh, I'm going to need to check because for a while, Rumble was doing an incentive in 2023. Uh, they announced, I think, in the summer, and they basically said for all, all, all creators who are doing stuff on Rumble, we will let you keep 100% of the financial stuff, you know, the, the Rumble rants and the, and the donations and the stuff that come in, like, you know, the Rumble version of Super Chats. We'll let you keep 100% of it until the end of the year. And then I think they extended that. So I don't know if they're still doing that there or not. Uh, Michael's asking for the Subscribestar link. I have to look it up. Because um, <laughs> I haven't used it. And I, let me, let me. Okay, I just heard a little static. I don't know if anybody has got uh, has got that or not. All right, so here it is: subscribestart.com slash sci-fi for me. I'm gonna put that in the chat for all of these. Wait a minute, that's not right. That's not what I want. I want that? No, 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 no. All right, this is what I get for having too many screens. There we go. We'll do that. There. There. All right. So if anybody wants to do it, there it is. There's a subscribe star link. Mazer says, started donating through Streamlabs for those who accept support that way. Uh, I have not looked into Streamlabs. I guess I should. Um, 
We've got some Streamlabs widgets that we're supposed to be using with the Twitch channel, but we haven't done anything with the Twitch channel, so um, I don't know. I just, I just, I just feel weird. I just feel weird sitting there going, "Give us money," because there's it's it's a different kind of tra transaction. It's not like I'm sitting there saying, "Buy my mug, just eleven dollars." I mean, we could sell mugs. I don't know who'd buy one, but and and it would probably be fifteen, not eleven. But it it's it's. It's different. We're doing this thing, and I'm doing it, and I'm, I'm enjoying it, and I'm spending the time doing it. And, yes, it's work because prep time and then all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that I have to do after the show is done because i got to convert it to the podcast side of things. I've got to do graphics, and i got to, you know, all, all the stuff that i got to do under the hood that you guys don't see. So, yeah, it's work, quote-unquote, so-called. But, yeah. I just don't, I haven't quite figured out this whole Super Chat thing. And I don't drink, so I don't take a drink at $50, Cam. <laughs> unpaid intern. Yeah, well, we've, we've had some unpaid interns in the past, and we probably will again. <coughs> I keep telling Mindy that she needs somebody help, helping her for... Uh, uh, the the conventions list because we're sitting in right now we're above two thousand seven hundred I think we're at twenty seven thirty six if I remember right um, and these are active in progress conventions comic cons furry cons anime cons horror cons game cons cosplay cons all around the world over twenty seven hundred on this list that we've got for people. And Mindy, Mindy maintains that list and does a yeoman's job of it. It's over at sci-fi for me.com slash conventions events. And we've got the Google map, uh, the Google calendar embedded in it. So you can look and you can see all of the different things that are going. It's an alphabetical list. And we are sitting currently at 2,736. That's how many conventions around the world throughout the year are taking place. And some of these, you'll have 20 or 30 conventions on a weekend, on the same weekend in various different places around the world. It is staggering how many of these things are going on all at the same time. Uh, Blackie says, you're having a conversation, so it seems like you're pausing to ask for a tip mid-chatting to me. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a weird thing. Hi, how you doing? Good to see you. How's your dog? Give me money. How's how's the family? Give me money. I don't know. It just it just feels weird. But that's me. That's that's the imposter syndrome coming in, right? It's that it's that. Are we worth it? Are we really worth it? Because you know you got all these channels like Nerdrotic and and Valiant Renegade and WDWBro. You've they got thousands of subscribers, right? You know, ten thousand subscribers, three hundred thousand subscribers. Jeremy's over a million subscribers. All of these, all these different channels that have not been around as long as we have, doing way better, and I have no envy at all whatsoever. They they do the work, they put in the time, they're making the effort. They're they're seeing success and good on them, and I hope it continues. At the same time, I was like, well, we've been doing this for quite a while. We've been on YouTube, technically we've been on YouTube since 2012. 
And the dot-com has been around since 2009. And our growth has been very slow. Because we don't do the rage bait. We don't do the hate clicks and, and all that kind of thing. I'm just like, yeah, well, I'm just going to be chill. I have my things. I have my triggers. <laughs> I have certain things that I will, I will rant about. Uh, but I, we generally try to keep things a little calm. A little more, I don't want to say a little more mature, uh, but a little more mature, a little bit, you know, a little bit more even keeled, I guess you could say. So if that's the kind of thing that you like and you want to support us, I will not tell you no. I'll say it that way. <clears throat> what I really would like is more people to call in when we do open line. I have not gotten to the point yet where I'm going to sit there and say, I'm the Rush Limbaugh of the Vandom Menace. I, that, that's not anywhere close to what I want to do. But not too many channels give you a chance to jump on the show and spout off with whatever it is that you want to do. We do that with the open line segments. I don't do that every single day. I'm not going to do it today. But... Um, Open line gives you the chance to be part of all of this. And I want more of you to participate and feel comfortable participating with that. Uh, Jason's uh, Friday night's call and show was pretty fun. I, I had a good time. We went longer than we normally do. And we're going to keep an eye on, uh, we're going to keep an eye on the, the numbers to see if, I don't want to say that Friday evening is going to be a thing. Every now and again, there might be uh, an evening just to shake it up a little bit. Because, you know, Mindy and I were talking about it afterwards. Whenever we did a Good Morning Multiverse in the evening, our numbers were pretty steady. So most of the time, we're in the noon hour here. We're in central time zone. So around the noon hour, most of the people that are that are in our audience are on YouTube during that time. It's one of the reasons why we're we're here at the time we are. You know, because it I I'm trying to make a science out of it. I'm studying the analytics. I'm looking at the numbers and the statistics and the okay, well everybody's here at noon, so I guess we go here at noon. To make it easier for the people who are part of our audience. And I know not everybody in the audience, not all of our subscribers are going to be watching our shows. And that's fine. You can watch it later. Or at least share and say, hey, these guys have something to say you might like. Hello, Stephanie. Good to see you. That's my headphones. That's my headphones, I think. Uh, yeah. So anyway, okay. So that that's, that's our thing. 2,500 subscribers. Let me go over and look because I don't know. I don't know where we're sitting on Rumble. Are we at 200 yet on Rumble? We are not. We're at 199 on Rumble. Now, that's not counting the 21 who are following. Rumble's a weird thing. So, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you have a Gmail account or a Google account or some, some kind of an account that lets you sign in, you log in, and now you can participate in the chat, and you're there. That's It's one account. 
And I have on YouTube, I have one account. I have the Sci-Fi For Me TV. That's the account. That's my, that's the Google YouTube account. And I log in and I can participate in the chat and I can create live streams that same exact, the whole thing. There's the channel. I can, I can create new channels, but it's just, I log in and this is the one we go to. With Rumble, I have the account and then I have the channel that's set up. And Rumble is different in that you can follow the account as well as the channel. Now, the account over on Rumble doesn't do anything. I, I, could, I could post to that account, but I don't. I post to the channel. So the 21 people that are following the account as opposed to the channel, I don't know if they're seeing anything that we post. So if I count them... Then we've got then we've got 220 followers on Rumble, but I don't know if that 21 can see anything that we do because the channel does different from the. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I I don't I don't follow. I I see, and this is the thing. I don't know how all this works. I just push a button. I just push a button, and sometimes people push my buttons. All right, that is going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. I I have I have stuff that I got to get done this afternoon. Uh, we've got uh, the the next month is going to be a little bit crazy and chaotic and busy, uh, but we will still be here. We will be doing stuff uh, coming up. Coming up. Oh. 200 on Rumble now? Two hundred. Hey, there we go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Weatherman. Two hundred on Rumble. That's that's great. Blackie says, have a lovely day, everyone. And yes. I do hope that all of you have a great day, a great week. Uh, coming up this week, so far what I've got on the calendar, on the 28th, Aaron Carower will be here. Chris Condon will be here on the 29th. We'll be talking to them about their work. And then next week, hopefully on the 5th, I hope, maybe, uh, we will have our big Hugo Award panel discussion and on the 4th of March, the day after my birthday, uh, Heidi Gygax will be our guest on March 4th to talk about their gaming endeavors. Uh, some of you may recognize that name, Gygax. She is the daughter of Gary Gygax, the co-creator of Dungeons & Dragons. So, so there is that. Uh, that's it for us today. Back tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. If we have a guest, I will let you know on the socials. You can find us on all of the different social media channels. Way too many for us to actually be re really using. There's a newsletter. There's a Discord. 
all of those good things where you can find us. Of course, the email address, live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. Thanks very much for being here, folks. And thank you, all of you who are subscribers, all of you who support this channel, all of you who support the work that we do. You find value in it enough to come back and give us your time and attention. I appreciate each and every one of you all the time. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming back. <sighs> Couldn't do it without you. I mean, I could, but I'd just be talking to myself, and I can do that. <laughs> I, I can do that anywhere. Uh, okay, thanks, everybody. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. But God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2024, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.